We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. October 27th edition of the RotoWare NFL Podcast. Week 7, it's in the books. I'm Joe Bartle. Follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and join alongside me every week. It's Jake Letarski. Um, thankfully, I guess for the listeners and unthankfully for us, we're not going to discuss much about the Monday Night Football game because it was that bad. But, I mean, we did torture ourselves watching it to some mm-hmm. extent. Yeah, I mean, I, I did watch pretty much the entire game. And I was like, I was watching it with my brother. He, he, he can witness. I was really fighting off the nap super hard about <laughs> mid-third quarter. I was kind of drowsy in and out. But, uh, but eventually we made it. The one, the, I mean, the takeaways that I do have, Johnny Hecker, punter, MVP, He's awesome. He's amazing. Um, I don't know if there's any secret out there, but the Bears were kind of always a little overrated. Like they they had outplayed their record. And, you know, once they played some above 500, you know, some some stronger competition here, they were definitely going to be uh, they were they were going to be uh, exposed, I guess, if you will. And uh, they I, I don't I never thought that there were a team that could legitimately threaten the NFC North. Well, yeah, I mean, there's two things to this, right? The Rams are good. The NFC West mm-hmm. is good. I tweeted this on Sunday. Every NFC East primetime game needs to just be replaced by any NFC West game whatsoever. <laughs> and then they showed the Monday night football schedule for the next couple of weeks. Like we have Patri- Patriots and Jets in two weeks. Oh, we yes. have two yes, different versions of Giants games for Monday night football. Like, what the hell? I don't. I just. Uh, it's very frustrating to me that we have to deal with uh, yeah. multiple weeks of the NFC East and other AFC mm-hmm. East. Uh, just like, uh, I, 
I hope flex yeah. scheduling becomes more of a thing after this season. So I think they expected that. They expected that going into a COVID year. Hopefully, at least for some to have a quick trigger on the flex scheduling. We'll see how that happens. Um, the only other thing of note in this game, I mean, a lot of fantasy players, receivers, pretty much everyone underperformed for the most part. Um, but Cam Akers didn't. He got one carry that was negated by a penalty. He just he just wasn't a factor here. So I think he was on our drop list last week. But I mean, unless you're in a dynasty league, I think it's pretty clear that uh, he doesn't have business being on a fantasy roster at this point. Allen Robinson, I think, left the game late with the injury, too. That's something to monitor. Robert Woods had the fumble on the carry that maybe let the Bears get back into it a little bit. Cooper Cup um, is still kind of Cooper Cup right now. I don't know if we can really be super high or low on him at this point. It's Mm -hmm. frustrating. With the Rams' offense, they have a lot of different guys that do a lot of different roles, and any given week, one could do well. We haven't really seen anyone super explode from that Rams' offense yet, and I, I think it's mainly because of who they've been playing. But it could be a situation that this Rams offense just isn't going to be fantasy potent anymore, and they were never going to be as fantasy potent as they were two years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I that mean, was course. never going to happen. Yeah, this was a weird week, too. We had Higby inactive, who had already been, you know, kind of seeing his role diminish in terms of routes run. Josh Reynolds had eight targets, and he scored one of the two passing touchdowns ever at the backup tight end, or I guess the top fantasy tight end was the other one, um, which was cool for showdown lineups, I guess. But uh, I don't know. You're playing Daryl Henderson as an RB2 flex, maybe, and beyond that, uh, uh, you know, I don't see a whole lot here um, because it's a waiver wire show, you know, kind of to flip back to the Bears. If Robinson is actually hurt, is it Darnell Mooney time? Because he actually led the team with seven targets. After that, they were spread out all over the place between five for Anthony Miller, six for Jimmy Graham, five out of the backfield to David Montgomery. So um, I don't know if this offense is good enough to uh, really want to go after that. But, you know, there yeah, are guys out there. And, and Mooney actually runs a, a fair bit of deep routes, too. I just don't know if like the, the Bears' offensive scheme in general is really relevant for fantasy purposes. And, and you could have talked me into Tariq Cohen um, you know, in August drafts and Allen Robinson. I was still, and I still am, even if he's hurt or whatever, I'm, I'm still fine with him because he's just a talented player. But uh, David Montgomery, I don't know. Like it, I know he gets a lot of the workload. Would you be trying to sell David Montgomery to anybody right now? You can't really sell him now. Um, you got to wait till he has at least one good game and see where it goes. I don't know. I, I, some of this is on Montgomery. Some of it's on uh, on play calling a little bit too. I mean, I agree. You think they'd get a little bit more creative with some outside runs, pitches? You know, like you see the Packers run that outside uh, like pitch one step running back thing and then make a cut. You don't really see that with David Montgomery. They're basically handing him the ball and saying run right at Aaron Donald and see what happens. And obviously that's not a recipe for success from a PPR perspective. He's gotten over 10 points in the last three games so mm-hmm. he, he's consistent because he's getting those targets just not doing anything with them it's it's frustrating you watch that game everyone who was vaguely aware of what the bears were doing this season so that's basically anybody in the midwest and maybe on the east coast as well knew this was what this offense was right like mm-hmm. I, I i you shouldn't have been surprised yeah this is a team you that is, is built to win games with its defense yeah and and it's possible maybe they go back to trubisky i know i've been seeing a little bit on twitter i don't feel like that's going to be a relevant option either and in a 2QB league if you have Nick Foles you were already a little bit concerned about having Nick Mm -hmm. Foles to begin with so I don't know if it's that actionable anyway but exactly there are a handful of 2QB league guys that we can that we can throw out there that you'd probably take over a spec ad on Trubisky right now because one they look stupid if they switch back right and and two even if they do switch back does it doesn't really mean much for your fantasy no I, I think it's it's a 1A 1B in a very stinky situation so let's move on to the actual waiver wire portion of the show of course we have four buys again this week the Cardinals Jacksonville uh we have the Texans and the Washington football team 
all on by this week. Uh, you know, in past weeks, we've seen some pretty potent offenses unavailable. This week, not so much minus the Cardinals, I was really. say the Cardinals. <laughs> I mean, the Texans have been you, decent you can see it on yeah. offense. You know, the team's bad, but they're scoring points. The Cardinals have been, you know, your sneaky, you know, your sneaky Murray Hopkins stacks turn, turning out to be league winners this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Kyler Murray, it's Deshaun Watson, it's James Robinson. Uh, there's some big names out of this group, mm-hmm. and then I mean Terry McLaurin too. That that's that's a guy. Um, that's that's available and, and doing a lot of things right now. So. Less, lesser, less huge things, but I mean, it's still four teams again on by. We never know any given week what's going to happen from a COVID perspective either. So let's get to it. I mean, we'll get to the mm-hmm. quarterbacks as, like we always do. We try to stay under 50% owned for our Yahoo threshold when we're talking about this podcast. Maybe it doesn't apply to your uh, 10 team leagues out there, but it more or less covers what we're going with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like we, we talked about Tua last week. Uh, we just saw the Rams defense last night. Two is going to be starting for the Dolphins, if you haven't heard, um, and I'm a little bit worried, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I mean, this week's, a, uh, of course, it's a very tough matchup. You know, we kind of, the takes on Tua haven't necessarily changed much since last week. Obviously, we didn't see him play, so what, what can there be changed, really, about that take? Um, I'll give a situation in which I'm picking up Tua, for example. Uh, Mahomes, my starting quarterback, I picked up Tua because I had a roster spot, and I'm hoping maybe for trade bait and a 14-teamer. Um, you know, that's kind of a situation. Obviously, in two quarterback leagues, he's scooped up and rostered already pretty mm-hmm. much across the board. Probably was before the starting announcement came because I think out of all the backups, he was probably a top couple because you never kind of knew when that call would come. So, yeah, 29%. You can still go out and get him. You have to temper your expectations for this week. He seems more like a like a, like a stream option if you have one other kind of mid to lower tier quarterback and then you just play matchups the rest of the way out, which, uh, you know, in fantasy football, it's a perfectly viable strategy. Well, yeah, but I was looking at his matchups. And he's the Cardinals week nine, and I think the Cardinals defense is maybe a little bit better than what we saw against the Seahawks. They'll get they're no not, points, though. Yeah, they're not that great. And then we have the Chargers, who have a lot, a lot of points. They're actually ranked 29 among uh, or for fantasy quarterback points scored on. Uh, they have in Week 10. The Broncos, Week 11. We know the Broncos' defense is pretty good, but they're actually ranked around 20th mark. And then Jets, Week 12. Bengals, Week 13. I'm, it, you're not like, oh, yeah, I've got to play these guys. This is like must-play must, must play matchups. Yeah, but they're know. not heard, ones you fade. Jets Bengals in there. So, well, yeah. but the Jets one is interesting because if they continue down this path, you're done in the first quarter, right? Like, you're not doing yeah. relevant things from a fantasy perspective. We just saw that with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. That's why you won the latest Culver's bet that we had because Ryan Fitzpatrick only had to be relevant for a half. And th- so mm-hmm. it's – it's not like an automatic. It's not like they're playing the Falcons defense, you know, 16 times the rest of the yep, year. Exactly. Well, outside of two of this week, then, you know, you can look for some streamers. Obviously, if you were playing, if you're rostering Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson, there's pretty much no real reason to have a backup quarterback on the roster. And then you kind of come to this streaming situation uh, moving forward. The game I'm looking at is uh, Vegas and Cleveland. The over-under on that game is 53.5, which is quite a bit. I mean, in the two player quarterbacks in that game, both are available to be picked up and both seem pretty viable to me one is baker mayfield 33 percent the other is Derek carr 29 percent i think i'm leaning a little bit towards carr because baker mayfield did lose odell beckham to the torn acl this week so that's going to play a factor here but there are some emerging weapons kind of in uh, baker mayfield which might you know depress the price if you do need to stream a quarterback this week so i think if you're streaming you probably look towards one of those guys it's interesting Liss and jeff brought up on the monday show that maybe baker becomes better as a fantasy quarterback, but real-life quarterback as well, 
if he is not solely focused on getting Odell some touches. Mm-hmm. And I and I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's right. And maybe that explains a little bit of what we saw um, last week where Baker Mayfield went off after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's a lot of guys that he yeah. was targeting. Yeah, that sounds like a little bit of mental gymnastics to me. You're kind of telling <laughs> yourself a fairy tale. If I lose my best players, then suddenly I'll become better. You know, it's like those ha-ha bucks without Giannis, you know, after he had to oh, sit yeah. that game. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what I hear when I when I see that kind of thing. So I understand it's it's an entertaining narrative to try to shape, but uh, when you lose an explosive player like that, I don't I don't think you know in favor of a guy like Rashad Higgins that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that's an upgrade, but. Nonetheless, I mean, it's it's Mayfield and Carr this week for me in terms of streamers. Um, if you can get Teddy Bridgewater at 44%, he's at home against the Falcons, who uh, haven't exactly been great on the defensive end right. either. Still pretty ravaged by injuries. So I think uh, all things considered, Teddy's probably a better streaming option than any, than, you know, than two of Mayfield, Carr, uh, what have you. But at 44%, uh, he's, he's pretty much rostered up there. I think I would rather have... Baker Mayfield out of Carr and Bridgewater this week, and it's close. I don't feel confident going one way or another. Yeah, not, um, definitely not confident enough to bet. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I absolutely agree. And like with, I just think the Raiders' defense is worse than what the Browns' defense can be. Mm-hmm. And I actually think the Raiders' defense is right on par with the Falcons' defense. So Bridgewater, you mentioned, he's kind of he's definitely a lock for you this week with mm-hmm. these teams on by at the moment. But at forty four percent rostered, it's yeah. more than likely he's not available. Any interest in Jimmy G at Seattle? No. Yeah, not really. <laughs> I, well, I, yeah. it's and interesting. I mean, the Seattle, the Seattle defense has been bad, really, yes. really bad. We saw Kyler exactly. Murray and company go off Sunday mm-hmm. night, and the Seahawks have been consistently bad all season long. Yep. I just the lack of weapons Jimmy G and the Niners really have right now. It makes yeah. me concerned. The running backs are banged up. We'll definitely address that. Debo is Debo hurt, as, is well hurt as well. That makes a big uh, makes some waves in our wide receiver section as well. And I mean, the rest of the guys you're looking at as far as availability don't want to touch Kirk Cousins at 29 percent at Green Bay. We saw what he was able to muster up the first time here, and who knows what the weather's like. We had snow here in Madison, so that's true. Uh, he, just this past week, yes, just uh, just a few days ago, we saw our first snowfall. So you never know there. Uh, Danny Dimes, you don't. I don't want to touch him against Tampa Bay, no. who, who shut down Aaron Rodgers. Phil. Rivers, I don't want to touch against anybody necessarily at Detroit. Decent matchup, I guess, if you're desperate, but I don't particularly like it. And then lock 9% at the Chargers. Those are all the guys that I kind of wrote down. But really, for me, it comes down to you're checking Bridgewater first. Um, you're thinking maybe Tua for long term, but not so much this week. And then you're you're taking your pick out of that Vegas-Cleveland matchup. Yeah, I don't mind Cousins or Rivers if I have to, but Bridgewater is very clear for me. Baker is very clear for me, and Carr is very clear for me. Starters over mm-hmm. Cousins and Rivers. The case can be made that the lines are both overrated and underrated. If you look at different analytical sides, and I was actually earlier this weekend, um, <laughs> that the the record that they have right now would indicate that they're actually right about where they're at. And I've seen them play, and I'm like, there's no way they are close to a 500 team at the moment either. And I think Stafford having Galladay back makes a difference. You're going to see more offensive. But the Colts' defense is the same way too. I think they have performed to the level of their competition, mm-hmm. which means Rivers has to probably go in some sort of offensive battle yeah. with Stafford, which is a weird thing to think about right mm-hmm. now. Like I said, I think Cousins yeah. and Rivers, I'm not I'm not I'm not having to be upset about it if I have yeah. to start them. I don't really want to either. I will say one last thing about Cousins before we move on to the two quarterback leagues. He didn't really quite have the same rapport with Justin Jefferson. He does not. That's he did my big one. thing. Jefferson was only targeted three times. So now you move over to the Packers. You've got uh you know you've got all pro Jair Alexander probably working 
probably working more on Thielen now, I would guess, but you could see a little bit of both. Uh, you know, there's another, there's an added weapon in that offense here. And do we know if he's getting Delvin Cook back yet, or is well, that not a lot? Cook, not, I don't know if we know for certain on that, but I was going to mention the Packers secondary. Darnell Savage didn't play Sunday. Kevin King didn't play Sunday mm-hmm. against the Texans. It's possible that those guys are also not back yet either, which would make a difference. And I anticipate the Packers' offense looks exactly the same as what mm-hmm. we saw week one. Exactly. So if that's the case, Cousins has to do his junk time production. Yep. And for the record, we have a 99.999% chance of Delvin Cook returning from his groin injury. Uh, <laughs> week 8 at Green Bay, that is November 1st here. So looks like Cook will be back, and that helps uh, Cousins' favorite kinds of passes, those kind of short little uh, running back shoots and, and dump-offs. Yeah. I, like I said, Cousins and Rivers, I'm not worried if I have, I'm, I'm not disappointed if I have to start him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two QB leagues, Ben DiNucci, uh, looks like he's going to be the guy for the Cowboys, depending on what happens with Andy Dalton, yep. if he can't clear concussion protocol. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, even if he does clear concussion protocol, you really want to put him out there to get smashed again? So, you know, seven days doesn't seem like it's the greatest of decision making. You've seen it before, but uh, but that's rough here. Uh, the, the I'm not playing story. him. I mean, yeah. like I yeah, even don't play a, him even way. in a two QB yeah. league. I'm going to let Ben DiNucci figure it out on the on the side. Yeah, list. if you fair, if you follow <laughs> Jerry Donabedian on Twitter, he did his toilet bowl this week, and the Cowboys stack was the supreme uh, victory situation here in the toilet bowl. I think um, what did, he also tweeted that Amari Cooper's 80 receiving yards were higher than the Cowboys' net passing yards. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's there's a lot of comical situations here. The narrative is, of course, that if the Dolphins are in fact going over to Tua and making that commitment, seeing what they got, will they shop Ryan Fitzpatrick before the trade deadline? Uh, Kevin Payne suggested this in his waiver wire column on RotoWire. You can check that out. That's up on Tuesday mornings. Um, it's being suggested all over the place. It's not necessarily a novel idea necessarily. Um, I always have a really tough time picking somebody up speculatively on the chance that they might get traded. Um, at the quarterback get position, yeah, too. Especially at the quarterback right, like position. Right, like a wide receiver running back, you can theoretically slot in. We saw Emmanuel Sanders, Kenny Drake last year do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's quarterback, though. It's it's a hard job to do at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I know Fitzpatrick is this Harvard kid, if you haven't known already, or if a broadcast hasn't told you in the last 15 years <laughs> that he went to Harvard. But, like... It's still a difficult yeah. proposition to do, and I, I have a feeling he probably has some respect yeah. in the locker room, but this is Dallas. Mm-hmm. You're going to Dallas in that situation. Yeah. It's much different than anywhere else yeah. he's been. I mean, it's not like it's going to be a Josh Freeman on Monday night situation, but I still think he can <laughs> come true. in and be Good reference. He can be fantasy relevant, better better than Andy Dalton was uh, regardless, and maybe bring some leadership, rally them to – I mean, as horrible as they look, that that the division is wide still, open. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody still has a shot in that division. So you know your winner is going to be seven and nine at best, and probably with a tie in there. But uh, so yeah, there's a situation. The only other one I jotted down. I don't actually believe Cam Newton's going to lose his job permanently, but he was yanked after throwing his third pick, replaced by Jared Stidham in the lopsided loss to the 49ers. Um, Stidham also threw a pick. I don't necessarily think that any long-term change is coming, but uh, it's more or less a bullet point in our two-quarterback league section. Yeah, my best ball team would be fine if Stidham ended up playing, um, but I also have Fitzpatrick and Joe Burrow in that one as well. So I'm not not complaining too much about where I'm at at quarterback. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. 
Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Let's move over to running back. Um, it was actually a surprisingly, uh, I think, relevant week that we discussed. I mean, mm-hmm. Bernard ended up being Bo- – or sorry, Boston Scott ended up being a relevant guy. Giovanni Bernard ended up being a guy as well. Yeah, Mixon had, was ruled out on Thursday, so that suddenly yes. shifted the whole landscape. I think actually it was Friday. It was Friday. Yeah, it was, it was Friday because I was doing the XM show right when it happened. So. Oh, you know what? I was I was writing UFC missed weight notes from the weird Thursday night <laughs> thing, and, and that's when I noticed. So I was able to pick up Gio Bernard. And yeah, see. only Boston Scott, Gio Bernard ended up being factors. Chase Edmonds now is going to be a critical role in this. Um, we talked about a little bit of Jamichael Hasty who ended up uh, de- defaulting Jeff Wilson, but now Jeff Wilson's going to be out for some time. It sounds like going to be on injured reserve and not like the three-week stint one, but a little bit longer than that as well. It, it'll just be, yeah. I mean, like there are some pretty critical guys. This week, unfortunately, mm-hmm. much of what happened from past week is now boiling over or kind of, and, and yeah. these guys have been picked up for the most part. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think I want to start with Jermichael Hasty because, you know, Tevin Coleman's still on IR. I've seen a lot of people, you know, advocate a spec ad for Tevin Coleman. I think by the time Coleman's back and ready to go, you start to see these other guys get a little healthy. But obviously, uh, Mostert is hurt. Uh, McKinnon is what he is at this point. And well, McKinnon expect- got a rest day. Did you see that? Did you see that quote? So after the game, after the Niners had just completely drubbed the Patriots in that one, um, Shanahan said that they intentionally rested Jarek McKinnon Mm -hmm. because he had gotten a heavy workload earlier in the season, which is a crazy confidence to have against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But the intention was that they did not want to play Jarek McKinnon in this game. They let Jeff Wilson have a Jeff Wilson game. And, And to me, that just complicates things even more. Yeah, I mean, this is worse than like classic Belichick Patriots at their prime run, you know, when you're trying to pick running backs, especially because of the injury factors going in. The problem is, is McKinnon's like 86% roster sure. right now, who's way up there. So you're not going to get him. I don't know what about three carries, three carries, 14, 14, one, six, and three screams heavy workload, but, you know, you teach their own, I guess. Um, they know how brittle McKinnon is, yeah, I guess. <laughs> exactly. You know, once we know for sure that Wilson is out, do we know for sure that he's out? Yeah, there? I think he's, yeah. he's going to be placed on IR. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, based yeah. off of what I've done on my Saturday work with Rotoware, it means they will place him on Saturday that he's going on IR, but it's it's only a matter of time. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, IR move expected is our last note on, on, on Wilson. So now you're looking at Hasty at 22% to get, I would say, maybe eight carries to 11 or 12 for McKinnon. Does that sound about right? Yeah, and I think McKinnon does a little bit more factoring for the pass-catching game. Mm-hmm. But this is all supposing McKinnon is effective in that role. We saw exactly. two weeks ago that he wasn't, and that's why mm-hmm. Jeff Wilson became a thing. Yeah. Hasty does look kind of explosive. You uh, yeah, know? that's where I'm at, too. Like, he passes the eye test when you look at the player. Now it comes down to a matter of opportunity and in eight to ten carries is that enough opportunity i mean you'd be the judge of how many points you need out of your low end flex spot and you're well and the niners had decided they need to give a rest day for their third string running back so if they believe that he had to get a rest day because of how injury prone or whatever else like we can't give him more than 15 looks a game Mm -hmm. you should be picking up hasty with the idea he's going to be the backup i mean this is a similar situation where we were pounding the drum for chase edmonds that we were talking about jerry mcnichols last year or sorry last week backing up Derrick Henry, uh, Jamal Williams, who we didn't even mention in this conversation too because of Aaron Jones' late injury on Friday, the same type of deal. 
if this is where we're at with McKinnon as the starter, quote unquote, then Hasty has to be a backup because he's going to be a very he could be in a very relevant situation given the Niners right now. Yeah, exactly. A couple other backfields to look at, you know, guys that we can revisit from last week. You know, we didn't mention Gus Edwards in that list, but we still don't know if Mark Ingram's going to be back from his ankle injury week eight. So Gus Edwards maybe sneaks into play. I mean J.K. Dobbins is, seems like he's taken over. It's after the bye. You think you should let the rookie out of his cage, basically. Yeah, that's now, true. Yeah, so now he should be the guy. I mean, Dobbins is the best back in that situation. I was going to say Gus Edwards maybe sneaks into the mix. Uh, well, I was going to say that Gus Edwards has been getting more of the carries than J.K. Dobbins, but you, the bye week factor I think is a a little bit underrated. That you might not understand that. Okay, we can now scheme a situation for J.K. Dobbins to be effective in the event Mark Ingram is out. We put a high uh, second round pick into Dobbins because of this reason. Um, Gus Edwards, for as great as he has been in his role with the Ravens. Draft compensation says it should be Dobbins' goal. And that's why I'm okay with Tua in the sense we know how great the Rams' defense is. We just saw it on Monday night. But you can scheme something over the course of two weeks for Tua to be effective. I see why the Dolphins want that direction, even though I don't, even though I wouldn't personally do it. The, the bye week for Dobbins, I actually, that's an underrated facet of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's in the past. And then uh, uh, now again, I moved to the Jets here. Always take that with an asterisk with a grain of salt. But uh, LaMichael Pirine seems to be sneaking up to Frank Gore in terms of the carry workload. Way more. Like yeah. he, he got way more of the workload. Now, Frank Gore, when he was out there, basically was guaranteed to get the ball. It was the Adrian Pearson workload that we saw from the Lions in the first two through four weeks or so. Yeah. Um, but the Jets' offense is just too bad right now mm-hmm. to be rostering anybody than Crowder. I guess yeah. Denzel Mims, uh, Crowder didn't play this week. Mims got his first game back at four receptions. I think it was for 42 mm-hmm. yards around that spot yeah. when I last checked. Exactly. I'll pull I this from Hidden Stat Line here. The snap share for Pirine was 70% compared to 28% for Gore. Both had 11 carries exactly. Uh, Pirine, three targets to zero for Gore. 15 routes to five for Gore. That's that's an interesting one, uh, but anyway, you know the 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 waves are changing here a little bit. Uh, if you were rostering Gore, knowing with low expectations what you were going to get, you can probably comfortably make that switch now. Yeah, I mean, shockingly, a seventy-year-old running back isn't the most effective thing for the league's worst worst offense. So you might as well try anything, which is in this case, Lamichael P. Ryan. Um, I don't know. Who do you do? You want to talk about the Seahawks situation first, or is there anybody else you wanted to get to? For yeah, that? you know, we wanted to. We were doing this in a weird order. We wanted to knock out the guys that we hit on last week for sure. Um, you know, before hitting on anybody new, uh, Chase Edmonds, sixty three percent rostered in Yahoo, doesn't really fit our description, but he's your number one waiver claim if he's out yep. there. We were talking going into this week that well, there really isn't a number one waiver to claim type guy this week, but if he's out there in a ten team league for whatever reason, easy, easy uh, choice. Yeah, he's your guy. Um, he's also only forty five percent rostered on ESPN. So if we want to play some want to play some games here, I mean, I guess he could technically fit in the threshold there. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what explains that here, but anyway, obviously Kenyon Drake getting carted off the field. Um, probably it sounds set like to a miss multi-week. A couple weeks. It yeah, like multi-week. it's a week to week situation. Um, you know, you can make a case that Edmonds could sneak into the top 10, 15 running backs rest of the season. I mean, the I'm downside, there. of course, is week eight waiver wire show, week eight bye for Chase Edmonds, right? Yeah, it's just like the Ravens, what we exactly. did with Mark Ingram. But it'll week. look like he'll have the job. And then, I don't know, for me, if you give one or two weeks of Chase Edmonds as your primary guy, I think that's plenty for him to take that job Easy. and keep that. And then uh, have you know Drake be very slowly eased in or used in a in a backup capacity here. So, yeah, 
we, I know we can't help you this week, but Edmonds should be the number one claim there. To the point where if you can try to trade him for the low, and I, and I don't know what that would look like. Maybe you can send it to our Twitter accounts and we can kind mm-hmm. of break that down with you. But trading for Edmonds in any capacity, I am all for at mm-hmm. this point. Because I think yeah. I agree with you. He he probably is rest of the season a top 10 running back. He is going to be darn close. And he looks more effective. He does more from a pass-catching perspective. That offense is somebody I want as many shares of as possible. I'm all in on Chase Edmonds in that yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Maybe find the guy that was rostering Edmonds as, as maybe like a backup to Drake, who mm-hmm. also maybe has most are taking up the IR spot and might have their defense on a buy and see if you can sneak in like – like your defense for for Edmonds or, or there's something no like way that, that would work. I, I don't know. Just try to try to. Okay, I've seen trades this week where people like when stake buys league get doesn't weird. count. Okay. Stake league people are so weird. Your yeah, your okay. side of stake league is dumb. I'm upset at every one of you. How about this? T Higgins for Chase Edmonds. Okay. See now, like I like T Higgins. Okay, We've been talking about T Higgins going, yeah. since week one, and we were saying he needs to be a pickup. However, as much as I like Higgins and I like the Bengals offense. Mm-hmm. I would rather have Chase Edmonds in that situation. Exactly. What I'm trying to say is find someone who's struggling with their roster this week. I tried to paint a way too specific scenario. (laughs) Find someone who's struggling with their roster because they had a lot of guys, a lot of Cardinals, a lot of I'm just angry at AJ. Something like that. Yes, yes. So find find yourself a – yeah, that trade was horrendous. Everybody agrees on that, but (laughs) I I don't know why. That's one of the things where we're not all in the office, so we can't all gang up on someone for a horrible trade. But uh, anyway. hopefully they're all listening to this podcast yeah. and supporting us in Rotowire. And, exactly. and then we can all gang up yeah. that way. All right. Anyway, yeah, nobody cares about our trades in Snake League here, but people do care about maybe trying to acquire Chase Edmonds or looking over to the Seattle Seahawks running back situation here. We've been down this road before. Chris Carson's a workhorse. He's got a foot sprain, kind of severity unknown. I've seen it's kind of mild. He looked like he was ready to come back into that game on Sunday night. They would not let him. But, you know, we have to talk about the Carlos Hyde and maybe even Travis Homer situation again in Seattle. Yeah, I think I'm okay with Hyde as a pretty high waiver wire claim. Again, it's it, it's Edmonds number one overall. If he's available in any capacity, go for it. I think if Jamal Williams is available in any capacity, I'm doing a number one waiver wire claim on him. Given how the Packers have been operating with their, you know, Devontae Adams in the hamstring, I'm going to assume they're taking it easy with Aaron Jones as well. Although the fact this is a divisional matchup against the Vikings makes me a little bit more hesitant on it. And Giovanni Bernard too. Um, but again, Edmonds, Williams, Bernard were all over 50% owned in our Yahoo thresholds. Check your leagues first to see if they are picked up in any capacity. Because mm-hmm. I think Bernard is going to start this week as well with the Bengals in their bye after that. But if all those guys are picked up already, Hyde makes a lot of sense if you need a running back this mm-hmm. week. And we talked about the bye week guys, Antonio Gibson, uh, James Robinson, David Johnson. Like You're not really relying on anyone but James Robinson from these mm-hmm. bye week guys. Exactly. Uh, maybe yeah. Chase Edmonds, I guess. Yeah, so so, so the tough you might one, not have to start him. Yeah, the tough one is this has already happened to me this year where I think maybe on two separate occasions where I've spent $6 in fab money on Carlos Hyde only to find out that, well, Chris Carson's a uh, tough you know, he's he's going to yeah. and is going to and is going to come back and and play through whatever foot injury he has. He, uh, I mean, it took him it took a pretty serious hip injury to to shut Carson down. At That's the end a good of last point. Year. He continues to play through pain here. So, um, just a word of caution in that sense. Obviously, we have no way of predicting this on Tuesday, but it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, I think I'm fine with Hyde in the event Carson doesn't play, but you're right. Carson has already powered through on this on multiple occasions, so mm-hmm. maybe it happens again. Another one that I'm not excited about, and we were talking about this off-air a little bit, I have Devonta Freeman in Stake League uh, as my number as my running back, too. And yes, I'm actually still doing a good, despite that. He looks hurt with something. I don't know. He didn't even really play in the second quarter, and mm-hmm. then he got hurt in the third quarter. Wayne Gullman came in, was doing more pass-catching stuff, 
actually ran pretty effectively relative mm-hmm. to the Giants' offensive line and their offensive struggles overall. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've we've been down the road with Carlos Hyde. We've been down the Wayne Gallman road before. Exactly. What was weird for me and what maybe makes it different this time is that even though Sterling Shepard was back, uh, even though Evan Ingram and, and Darius Slayton were somewhat healthy, I mean, were healthy enough and out there playing. Um, you you could argue Ingram wasn't playing given his drop at the end of the game. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. I mean, Slayton's been banged up for most of the year anyway, so who knows what percent he's at. Anyway, even with Shepard back and, uh, you know, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, healthy receiving core, they still found five targets for Gallman, which is a 17.2% target share. Mm -hmm. He was out on the field for 53% of the snaps, got 10 carries. Um, Not that I'm rushing out to get him, but in a 14-team league where I'm desperate for a start and can maybe get him for a little bit cheaper than some of these names that we've been throwing around there. Yeah, yeah, I consider it. It's interesting that he was getting the targets even when they have Deion Lewis on the team. Now, Deion Lewis had a pretty bad fumble uh, earlier in the game, which then just allowed Wayne Goldman to do, go, go crazy. It's possible that the Giants are like, no, 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 Deion Lewis is a vet. He can do these things now. He won't fumble again. But Wayne Goldman looked okay with the touches he had, and I think that mm-hmm. matters with that Giants offense right now. So I— I'm I'm definitely going to be picking up in Stake League. Hopefully, no one's listening to the podcast, uh, and and will you know bid him up mm-hmm. on me. But I I, yeah. I wouldn't go I wouldn't go aggressive on him. I yeah. just think you might have a starting running back, which exactly. is a valuable thing right now. In I'm, uh, you mentioned before the show that Devontae Freeman was basically your RB RB two. In that case, then yeah, you're going to need like a six to eight dollar bid at least on Gallman. I think in most situations, you can probably get away with a two three dollar bid and be or fine yeah, I was going to say goes you, away. not even putting money on it and, and mm-hmm. picking him up. It's possible. Yeah, I mean we're there. almost at the halfway point. How many people blew through their fab on, well, yeah. on Claypool, Jefferson, you know, all of these guys? And, and rightfully so in those yeah, cases, well, Yeah, too. rightfully so right. in those cases. But, you know, we're getting past – we're getting to the point of that season where, you know, double-digit bids aren't always going to be necessary. And you're going to be able to sneak some players through for surprisingly cheap. Yeah, any interest on Zach Moss, who also just barely fits into our qualification at 46% owned? Yeah, I roster? think he fits into the uh, qualification here because, I don't know, I was one of the owners that uh, – or rosterers or however you want to say that that cut him this week. Um, and, that, and so he's down at 46%. I still don't have a ton of interest. I mean, he's getting healthier, it seems like. You know, he's they, he had a pretty much timeshare with Singletary. He was more effective than Singletary in this specific situation. Um, I don't take too much into that. I need to see it week to week first. But, uh, you know, he's he's out there that for, for slipping into our threshold. Yeah, and it's just brutal for Devin Singletary managers. That's that's where mm-hmm. I think of it because I think they just both yes. cut into one another's workload and it's very it's a very mm-hmm. difficult situation overall. I You know, we always try to do drops, right? And I, I feel like it's tough for me to to recommend who I need to cut, uh, like Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, for example. We were all thinking this was going to be a great game against Jacksonville. Neither ended up being very effective. I'm not dropping Joshua Kelly necessarily, especially while we're still in the throngs of four weeks, you know, four teams per bye. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy that I think is just been struggling right now. Adrian Peterson, thankfully, finally, the Lions are starting to figure out that having a 75-year-old running back isn't going to be effective for your offense. And DeAndre Swift getting a little bit more involved. I'm dropping Peterson already. The other guy, and and I was probably the only person in America that was rostering him, I'm dropping A.J. Dillon now, too. In my dynasty leagues, I'm dropping him. Uh, even in, your in my dynasty st- leagues, yeah? I'm, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I, there's, I, there's, he's got to be involved when Aaron Jones isn't playing. You put a second round pick on him, and you're not getting him the ball. I'm done. I see. I disagree with that. I think Jamal Lewis has Aaron Rodgers' trust built from being around there more often. So of course Lewis was going to get the you know the majority of the work here. Um, 
Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. Jamal Lewis would be Jamal great. Lewis. I'd be totally fine bringing back Jamal Lewis. <laughs> yes, Jamal Lewis, former Baltimore Ravens. Great. Yeah, geez, thank you for catching me on that. No, Jamal Williams. Hey, yeah, and I'm the Packer fan here, so geez, what am I doing? But anyway, I don't know. I, I envision a scenario where the Packers are in a pretty tough cap situation here, and I would like to think they'll be able to re-sign Aaron Jones, but that's not necessarily a guarantee here. And you, you have the running backs don't matter crowd there. I could see a situation going in next year where uh, Jones maybe isn't necessarily in the factor, and then Dylan suddenly becomes very dynasty viable so i don't know i wouldn't drop him in your dynasty join leagues. my in dynasty your, leagues i'll yeah. trade him to you gladly yes it's, i don't know in, in your redraft leagues obviously he's out there on the waiver wire you don't need to worry about it now but uh in your dynasty leagues you know i, I kind of hold off there a little bit cam makers is a drop right yeah cam makers is definitely a drop um if you're in a really shallow league given the certainty apparently of cook coming back you know madison kind of gets down to that area i don't know how much work madison's going to get madison still he goes back to that kind of tony pollard level of ranking right where you got to back up yeah tony pollard could even be going down because of the cowboys you know whole, whole situation there i'm trying to look through guys that are in like the 60 percent rostered i mean leonard fournette's someone whose stock's probably rising i don't know if yep. i dropped that uh boston scott if miles sanders is coming back then you just you don't necessarily need to be holding him James White had a rough game, but you keep him for the role that you had anticipated here. Um, I saw Philip Lindsay on the waiver wire in one league that I scooped him up. I think. Uh, well, and he's so injured right now too. Yeah. But, so you know. I, I bring up the drop list because I actually think talking about a trade list is okay too. I mean, we've been pounding mm-hmm. the table for Chase Edmonds, but I've been also out there saying everywhere possible, get rid of Kenny Drake. Get rid of Kenny Drake. I'm going to start doing this now with Todd Gurley. And and I and I, I understand I and I and I, I'm going to say this right now because I was sitting privy to a trade conversation that was happening right next to me last night about somebody trying to send the Falcons backfield away in a trade where they're trading up. I I get it. Todd Gurley has been great. He's been getting touchdowns mm-hmm. every week. This is the moment. At some point, a he's not going to score, but b there's going to be a point where they just aren't using him and he's not effective mm-hmm. in the running game. I don't think there's a lot of burst when I'm watching Todd Gurley play, and I think situationally he's being he's able to be effective, but there's going to be a point in time, and I think very soon, where you're just not going to get a lot of utility well, out of Todd Gurley. And what happens when the Falcons decide to just nuke the whole roster? Like, is the, that's not going to be good for Gurley's fantasy value. What happens if they get a suitable ro- offer for uh, Matt Ryan? For Matt Ryan, right? You know, and obviously their defense isn't doing anything, so having run-heavy game plans isn't, you know, going to be the ideal situation for them moving forward. I think this is probably the last week here with the trade deadline coming up that you can reasonably expect to sell high on Todd Gurley. Capitalize on the fact that he got two touchdowns, not the fact that he wasn't trying to score one. Capitalize on his history as a former number one fantasy right. pick and see if you can get someone value, valuable for him. You know, two weeks ago what did we say that Kenyon Drake sell high you know I think we can keep up the uh the sell high train going and, and have another good option here. I just want to like just reinforce this for you again because the we had we had the Packers in week four who he got two touchdowns on right okay week five Panthers he had 121 yards of touchdown the Vikings that was supposed to be a good matchup didn't really come to fruition Lions mm-hmm. here 63 yards two touchdowns again all three of those, we have it ranked 32nd, 31st, 21st, 27th in terms of long points to the running back position. Those are great matchups for Gurley. Mm-hmm. Want to know what's going to happen during the playoffs? Yeah. No, you Toast. don't. You don't want Toast. to know. Exactly. Saints, so get rid of Raiders, Saints again, Chargers, Bucks. I'm I'm moving away from Gurley. Trade him if you possibly can. Yes. And he has his bye week. I think I'd, I know it's a waiver wire podcast, but I think that's the best bit of advice you can take from listening to this hour of programming. 
Hey, are you are you assuming we're going to get through an hour or going to be done before that? I don't know. We'll see. It'll depend <laughs> on what we have for receivers here. Well, not much. I'll tell you that right now because there really wasn't a lot of guys last week we could focus on. Uh, this week, we're kind of we're, we're close again because Brandon Ayuk at 50% with Debo Samuel expected to miss at least a little bit of time. It sounds like at least this week eight, and it's possible mm-hmm. they go a little bit shorter on two. He ended up doing uh, pretty well against the Patriots, and we talked about the matchup that Jimmy Garoppolo has against the Seahawks defense. Somebody else besides George Kittle is going off, and I am crossing my fingers that George Kittle will go off. I anticipate that's going to happen. There's a lot of options for the passing attack from the 49ers' perspective. Mm-hmm. But Ayuk makes the most sense, and I think is probably a wide receiver two for sure this week that might be available on wires. Mm-hmm. Ayuk's got Seattle this week. I want to make sure the schedule's not messed up. But Seattle's dead last yeah. in uh, fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers in standard formats. And you get it without Debo. And, I mean, he's at least got some other threats in the offense in, in Kittle. So um, Ayuk was efficient. He came up with a pretty good pedigree. I mean, they used a decent pick on him. You've seen flashes of it this year. You saw the athleticism, him hurdling that defender to score. You know he's, the athletic ability is there. The opportunity is there, and the matchup's great. So Ayuk at 50% becomes uh, definitely rostering. I, I, I told my friend in a 10-team league, showed me a picture of the waiver wire, and I was like, I pointed right at Ayuk. I was yeah. like, he's your guy. Again, the Seahawks one is great. I mean, there's going to be a lot of passing involved. There's going to be a lot of offense involved, and I like him. I'm almost worried it's too chalky, kind of like how we thought the Vikings-Falcons mm-hmm. game from a week ago, two weeks ago, I should say, was going to be just a gold mine. I, I wonder if it's the same situation with Ayuk, and I'm, it makes me a little bit concerned, but yeah. uh, we'll press forward, especially at 50% rostered. Mm-hmm. You need to have it, It's a team. short-term thing, because after the Seahawks, you have Green Bay at 12 uh, in, in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing wideouts. Saints at 22, then it's a bye week, and then you've got Rams, Bills, and Washington, who are all pretty strong. Pretty good, yeah. Regard. I like Rashard Higgins as a pretty high pickup this week. Again, we just talked about Odell Beckham uh, out for the season now with the confirmed ACL tear. Um, the Bengals offense, or sorry, the Browns offense looked good against the Bengals. And I think Baker Mayfield, for while it's not an accurate call to say, listen, Jeff, we're saying, all right, he's going to target more people now more effectively because Odell's gone, at least according to you. But I think it makes a difference that Higgins is now going to have more of a, a defined role in that offense. And Landry is Landry at this point in his career. There has to be somebody that does more explosive things. And I think Higgins actually can fit that capacity really well. Yeah, I mean, Higgins is somebody that I remember, like, when I was very first coming up, there was a brief stint as the Browns repeat writer. That was the only one open when I was coming in. I wonder why. And Higgins was around then, so he's a name that I'm familiar with. He's been around with the organization for a while. Obviously, that doesn't matter so much when you change coaches every other year. But but, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, he's – one of the veterans in that group, believe it or not, here, and I know he was kind of on the fringe of making uh, making the active roster at one point during the season. Now he's going to be an actual integral part of the offense here. Uh, obviously, Jarvis Landry goes up a little bit, um, but he's already above our thresholds here. So, yeah, Higgins is a fine pickup. Um, I don't see him as much more than wide receiver, you know, low end three, four yeah. might be the ceiling here. He's someone that can get you through bye weeks. He won't necessarily change things. But, you know, six for 60-yard weeks from here indefinitely is something that has a place in fantasy. I, I think that's a good point. He's a wide receiver three. And actually, I want to stick with that trend because we have Nelson Aguilar, who had five catches for 170 yards and a touchdown on nine targets last week. We know the Raiders um, are, are going to have – 
a decent again matchup against the Browns this week. I think he also fits into wide receiver two, three category this week, but probably is a low end wide receiver three for the rest of the season. He's kind of cemented himself as the number one wide receiver for the Raiders and has benefited, I believe, from the Henry Ruggs effect, but he's capitalizing on that in, in ways we hadn't seen with the Eagles. So I think Aguilar is going to have to be closer to 25, 30, 35% rostered yeah. in most formats right now. Yeah, he's an easily kind of forgotten guy. I mean, he was a first round pick in 2015. And then, of course, he spent all that time with Philadelphia, had his battles with drops for a while, still only 27 years old. I mean, he's a guy that can be useful in fantasy and, and definitely coming under the radar. Yeah, I, I like him and Higgins in the same capacity. Again, Ayuk is head and shoulders above for the wide receiver class uh, for this week's free agency. But Aguilar, mm-hmm. uh, Higgins fit in that category. I also really love Rager's talent, and he's back practicing this week. Deshaun Jackson just got placed on IR again. We don't know what Elshon Jeffrey status is week to week, but Fulgham's kind of emerged. Greg Ward's still around. I think they take it slow with Rager, and you're not going to get much opportunity from him. But he's a guy that could be a league winner in like weeks 12 through 15. I don't exactly. know what they have playing, but yeah, he's that's when I think the opportunity is highest. Yeah, that's why I put him on the list. He's only 14% rostered, so his availability is uh, it could be it's going to get less and less every single week. You know, he'll he'll make two practices the next week, then he'll be 28% rostered. You know, and then he'll uh, maybe get a questionable status but inactive, and then all of a sudden he'll be 44% rostered. Uh, right now he's 14% rostered, and if you can stomach the roster spot. Uh, I'd go for him. And the other guy I threw on here because he's back, uh, Corey Davis, 28%. Remember, it's kind of a contract year for him. It's it's pretty much do or die. He's got A.J. Brown on the other side to uh, mm-hmm. take attention away. Corey Davis, when A.J. Brown was a little bit banged up in week one, Corey Davis had the better game and was more targeted. He was targeted 10 times, and that was in a game that A.J. Brown scored, a 6 for 35 line and one touchdown. So at 28%, he's someone you got to go after as well. Yeah, the targets are insane. You wouldn't have imagined what we're seeing from Corey Davis based off a past season. But eight targets, like you mentioned, that week one game, five in week two, six in week three. That's certainly relevant. And he's been able to capitalize on those targets, too. This is actually his least efficient outing against the Steelers with only six catches on 10 targets. This schedule's a little bit rough, right? I mean, the Bengals, we know, can be scored on. But the Bears, Colts, Ravens, weeks nine through 11, that's tough. And you go back to the Colts again week 12. However, right around that fantasy playoff time, it's the same reason why I'm going out and getting A.J. Brown. If I don't already have him, I do. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. But Derrick Henry as well. Uh, weeks 13 through 16, here you go. Browns, Jaguars, Lions, Packers. And you end on the Texans if for whatever the reason you have a fantasy playoffs in week 17. That is about as money yep. of a schedule as you can get for receivers right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. Um, let's have some fun with our last couple wide receiver names here. Uh, guys that uh, we're, we're turning the clock back on maybe three, four years. We didn't really get to talk about Antonio Brown last week because uh, – you know, that wasn't really a thing last week. Yeah. Um, and then I looked today. I'm like, oh, does he fit our threshold? Can we actually uh, use him in any capacity? Nope. He's like 85% on. Everybody just jumps and loves well, the Well, I bet you he was under, or he was close to 50% even already. Yeah, to start with. Yeah. Because he was probably auto drafted in a handful of oh, weeks sure. too towards the end. Anyway, um, I bring him on this list, not because I want to talk about Antonio Brown and what he can do for the Bucks, but. Because Chris Godwin uh, had some finger surgery now. Yeah, surprisingly. And he's, and he's out week eight out of nowhere. Mike Evans has been having a pretty down year. But Scotty Miller last week, six for 109 yards and a score on nine targets. Um, when everybody's rushing to see if they can squeeze Antonio Brown in, Scotty Miller is probably actually the play. Well, so Brown can't play. I'm almost certain Brown cannot play week eight. Is it the, yeah. Due yeah. to the suspension yeah, or, okay, yeah, or COVID. Right. So he can't play anyway. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans during the games that um, Chris Godwin has been insane. 
but that's the only games that Mike Evans has been insane for. Mm-hmm. We know he's a good red zone threat. There has to be a guy that does other stuff. And we've kind of seen Gronk emerge now. Yep. But I agree with you. I think Scotty Miller, it's a, it, it really is a good wide receiver three, mm-hmm. two week pickup kind of thing because exactly. Miller, um, Nelson Aguilar, and I, well, Ayuk certainly, mm-hmm. but Higgins as well, all fit into this category that I love quite a bit. And you might be out there thinking to yourself, well, didn't you just say drop Scotty Miller last week? Oh, obviously with Chris Godwin back (laughs) in full capacity, there's not a whole lot of use here for someone like Scotty Miller. It varies week to week based on what the rest of that supporting cast looks like. And last but not least, I didn't even write this one down, but... Des Bryant on the Ravens practice oh, squad. God. Yeah, that's going to that be excite, that, that one's going to be another like forty percent rostered as well by next week. Mm-hmm. And you're like, come on, no, I, no, I it mean, does not. I don't care about a guy that can run like a five two forty <laughs> right now uh, at this point. It's a good story. I'm happy Des Bryant's back in the league. I'm happy that he's happy. That's that's a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't care from a fancy perspective whatsoever. Yeah, I, you pick him up not because you want to put him in your lineup and expect to get points out of him. You pick him up to uh, offer as a kicker in a trade against a dumb person. <laughs> I was going to say you pick him up to do those Twitter bragging things like I won with Des Bryant in my lineup when you have like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, <laughs> Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones like on the rest of your crazy do dynasty team. people really team. do that? Where have you seen that? I yeah, I have a weird Twitter yes, following. I, yeah, it's okay. I love my Twitter following, but I have a weird Twitter following, and I'm okay with that. There's there's nothing wrong with it. If it's my style, great. Okay, so the wide receiver is actually pretty good. I think the tight ends are a little bit interesting as well. Last week's tight ends, though, oh, God, that was brutal. Like, I had to start Darren Fells in a couple different places, and I thought, hey, against the Packers defense, you could do worse than this. Literally zero, zero opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think he had one target that game, and he dropped it, and it was like late in the fourth yeah. quarter. I, I Multiple times my wife was like, is is he even playing? And I had to be like, yes, he's right there. I see him. I, I know where 87 <laughs> is. He's out there. He's a pretty big body. Dude, I mean, doing yeah. nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Uh, the Trey Burton position is brutal. I mean, I, I had better luck taking a stab and streaming Trey Burton than I did with Hunter Henry back this week in a matchup that should have been money. But Well, yeah, and Trey Burton, well, Trey Burton had a bye. So mm-hmm. now he's back this week and, and possible to play. Cole Komet, um, we could continue to hear things from the, the Bears coaching staff that he's going to get more involved in the offense. He had 40 or 40 yards last night. Like I don't okay, great. What does that really mean? I don't want anyone from the Bears team much in the same way I don't want anyone from the Jets team. Uh, Anthony Ferkser was irrelevant because Jono Smith was back and healthy. So the one main guy that I think we should focus on is Harrison Bryant and and I talked about on the Friday pod or Friday Series XM show because in the same vein that we had Joe Mixon out, it was announced that Austin Hooper was going to be out with an appendectomy. My God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was like, all right, great. David Njoku, this is perfect. He wants to get traded somewhere else. Prove it right now. Well, he did score a touchdown, and that's fine. But it was actually Bryant that ended up having the better game. Two touchdowns, 55 mm-hmm. yards. Yep. They were using him much like you thought Kevin Stefanski would use, two tight ends. Exactly. Well, Bryant's the guy. And it was five targets to Njoku's three. So, I mean, that was enough of a sample size to uh, show me that, hey, there might be something here. It looks like Hooper might be questionable again there's, or, okay, or so doubtful again for week eight. I mean, just, I don't know. There's I've, no never, way. I've never had my appendix I just had it. You I, just had it taken I out? had it at the beginning of the pandemic. I had my, my appendix removed. Mm-hmm. Emergency mm-hmm. surgery. I mean, I wasn't in pain. I, I didn't know things were happening until it was go time in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I can tell you for certain, after seven days from that surgery, there was no way I was playing an NFL football game. Mm-hmm. I couldn't walk. I, and, I, and I know here I am, the five eight guy from Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm not. You know, I'm not athletic enough to walk up and down a basketball court, much less go ahead and you know play an NFL game. There's no way he's playing. 
they're, they're, I, I will just be astounded. And then we not even with like super NFL style painkillers. Yeah, well, that's true. And then I actually had uh, somebody on Twitter afterwards say Olin Krutz, the, the longtime center for the Bears guy, Hall of Fame guy, I think he should be if not, uh, had that appendectomy and then played the next day. But that's just like offensive linemen are crazy, right? Like that's what that that tells yeah. me. Not necessarily anything related to. Oh yeah, a tight end can go do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Offensive linemen are weird. I, I played a whole game at center with a double ear infection in like sixth grade. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, offensive linemen are a different breed of people. Just, you don't miss time when you're an offensive lineman. You can't. It's you're not physically allowed to do so. I just don't. Especially if you're going to ask Cooper to then catch passes and get tackled. I, no way. There's no way. So Harrison Bryant, to me, becomes a top 12 fantasy tight end this week. Now, when Hooper mm-hmm. comes back, I don't know. It's hard to put the genie back in the bottle when he had this type of game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he's are, a good pickup. There are 8 to 10 targets available. Not all of them, I'm saying, are going to go to Bryant. But there are enough targets to be split around without Odell Beckham in the mix. So, you know, maybe maybe four or five of those, three or four, go to the tight end group. We'll see. I'm ranking like of of pickups that are more likely available this week. I have him right around after Scotty Miller range. So most of those wide receivers, I'm taking Higgins, Ayuk, uh, Aglor, Miller. But I think Bryant's number four or five for me, and I think he's going to be available most everywhere. He'll probably be available most everywhere next week. Unfortunately, that'll probably be the week it starts to hurt you because I think Cooper probably, with those NFL-style painkillers, comes back. Mm-hmm. And and then there's less relevance for Bryant. But this this time when Hooper's not playing – I'm all for the other tight end to mention Albert. O. I'm not going to bother trying to say his last name because I'll embarrass myself yeah. uh, more than my, my talk about not walking up and down a basketball court. But yeah, like 13 targets um, for the Broncos over the last two weeks. He's a fast guy, just like Noah Fant is fast. Noah Fant was playing this game too. And yet he was still involved in the offense. Albert. O. that is like, mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on him right now? Where, where are you? We know Mario loves him and will be banging the table for him, but are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll let Mario make a case because he'll be able to do a better one than us. But uh, the reason I pulled the name is because Payton mentioned him in his waiver wire column this week. Uh, I guess they were—he was a Missouri teammate with Drew Locke, so that, that's yes. interesting. Maybe they've got some, uh, you know, some chemistry there. Uh, Thirteen targets in the last two weeks. Granted, one of them was without Noah Fant. Um, obviously, as a Noah Fant guy, I don't want to hear you know this name coming to creep up behind him. But uh, <laughs> right again. You might as well throw some darts in a year that's so. It seems like every year is rough for tight ends outside of your top, you know, locked in guys. So he made the list, but I don't know. I feel like fans going to come back and absorb most of those targets moving forward. The you know, just as good of an athlete as I, I think. I yes, guess. yes, almost I better. I think he actually ran a faster forty time, if I remember correctly from the mm-hmm. combine performances that we were doing this year. Anyway, uh, yeah, he is out there again, Albert O. O K W U E G B U N A M. Oakwood Boonham. Perfect. You did a you did a great, Jake. That was fantastic. I don't know. I have to pronounce uh, international UFC fighters. I was going to say lot, you've had so way harder ones, but, right? Um, I don't know. Okubunam. <laughs> Okubunam. All right. Let's move over to the defensive streamers. Unfortunately, it's it's not like an obvious lock for a lot of people this week. The Jets play the Chiefs, which is normally your automatic start, and Chiefs are at ninety six percent rostered right now. So. Good luck with that. Uh, you have the Browns at around 50%. That's who I'm rolling with in most of my leagues this week. The Seahawks face the Niners. I don't know if you want to do that necessarily. Uh, you can go with the Titans against the Bengals at 27%. Like, Is there one that you feel really confident right now with, or are you kind of like, I'm rolling the dice? Yeah, I mean, the Browns are a decent play because Miles Garrett's leading the league in sacks, having a phenomenal year, one of the few bright spots on my stake league team. Um, he'll probably get Derek Carr on his back a couple of times. I don't doubt that. Uh, Especially if the COVID Raiders offensive line is still a thing. 
Yes, especially with the COVID Raiders. <laughs> they all came lines. back to play, but like, still. I for, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, going, <laughs> that was a crazy thing. Um, I don't know. I, I put the Titans. I kind of put them as, as the one I want. Now, they're at Cincinnati. I know they gave up a lot of points to Pittsburgh, and Joe Burrow is a good player that's going to be competitive, but I feel like he might have a few turnovers in him. Um, so I guess I like the Titans. But Jerry points this out in his article. It's not an easy week for streaming defenses. All the matchups you normally target are playing defenses that are highly rostered, uh, at least in our leagues. I mean, like Jerry also, he, he really likes the Saints in his column. They're 60% Yahoo, only 43% ESPN. So I think you can technically go after them, but I don't know. Guys that are who do the mostly play? attainable everywhere. I need to look at that. Yeah, I, I wrote that down, but I didn't even think of who the, who the Saints play. Um, but no, uh, I, I'm going with the Titans. I think that their defense is skilled enough. They've got the leadership enough. They're, may, you know, the Browns maybe have a higher floor because of their likelihood of getting sacks. Not that Tennessee can't get to the quarterback, but I think Tennessee has a slightly better chance of getting a turnover and maybe getting one of the bigger plays. Yeah, after watching Monday night's game, I'm definitely on board. If the Saints are available, they play the Bears next week. So, yes, give me any yeah, bit of yeah, Foles yeah, and Trubisky. It. That's yeah. fine. Um, but you're right. Like you mentioned, uh, for our podcast, 60% roster on Yahoo, 43% on ESPN. Check if the Saints are available. I think that's my first play. If not, the Browns are where I'm going to go next afterwards. But let's just say the Browns, again, they were at 50% rostered. I actually am fine with the Packers as my third one. And and it's tough. I mean, we've watched the Packers' defense now for all of our lives, but certainly this season. Um, I know that they eviscerated the Vikings in Week 1. I don't think that's going to happen again, especially if Delvin Cook really truly is back and healthy. I think there's going to be some Kirk Cousins turnovers. And the Packers are overdue for getting some of these picks that bounce off of people's hands to actually fall into their hands. Exactly. And I would argue that they're trending upward as well if Kevin King comes back to play. And like you said, Savage as well, getting some of their defensive weapons back. I mean, Jair Alexander, is, he's been amazing. You can argue that he'll be the best defensive back. He is the best defensive back in the league this year. He's one of the highest graded when you look at the pro football focus numbers. You know, doesn't have the crazy big plays that one would want for a defensive player of the year resume, but he's... Without a doubt, one of the best at his position. You get him some help on the other side, um, it looks good. So, Well, and Shannon Sullivan has really been a, quietly a solid slot corner for the Packers mm-hmm. all season long. Again, if Savage is able to play, but Amos on the other side, he had a sack, couple tackles, should have had a pick as well uh, in that win over the Texans. And the bigger part for me is that Zedaria Smith is looking to be more of an effective pass rusher uh, and, and doing some things, and Preston Smith kind of factoring as well. Mm-hmm. I, I I, I like that one if I have to go if – I, if I can't take the Saints, if I can't take the Browns, I think the Packers is probably my third choice over mm-hmm. the Titans. I haven't, speaking of injuries, I haven't seen much on Christian Kirksey lately, but he could – he's technically eligible to come off IR, and that would be a big boost for the defensive yeah, unit as well. Certainly. So, all right, that does it for us on this edition of the Free Agent Podcast. Of course, uh, coming up tomorrow will be Jeff and his guest. You have Mario and John every week um, on Thursday breaking down every single game. I love listing that. And, of course, you have the DFS guys too on Friday. So mm-hmm. certainly keep listening to the Rotoware podcast. We appreciate your listenership. If you have any questions for us as far as free agent pickups, you can at me at JB Fantasy Sports or Jake at Roto Jake. Uh, any other words for your sign-off at all? Man, rate and review the pod if you can. Nothing helps us more than that, and it only takes a couple seconds to click five stars. That's super huge. Obviously, rotowire.com slash pod for 10 days, no credit card required. I also, we just got 550 college basketball players with season-long projections updated to the website. All so right. That's what's been going on off in my side world here. We're, we all have multiple roles here. Yes. It kind of is what it is. Um, so hoping there's a college basketball season and we get that going. Uh, and, you know, we just had UFC 254. It's been a wild week, but I appreciate you guys tuning in. And um, hopefully we can bring you some good luck on the waiver wire this week. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.